Hey, it's Timmy Whispers from Stacey King's Give Me the Hot Sauce podcast. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track, all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure you can take on any adventure. I'm planning on going river rafting this weekend, and I'm ready to head out on the trails with all-wheel drive. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Sriracha. Give me the hot sauce. Ah, yes, that unmistakable music tells you it is time to bring you... Give me the hot sauce, episode 26. Great number 26s in the world of sports from football. Adrian Peterson, Rod Woodson, Saquon Barkley from baseball. The immortal Billy Williams, the great sweet-swinging Cubs left-handed hitter. We've got Wade Boggs, Daryl Strawberry. A lot of great names in sports from basketball. Former Bull Kyle Corver, war number 26. And if you're following us, watching us on YouTube, which you should do that so you can watch and join in all the fun, you see we've upgraded today. No Timmy Whispers. Oh, Southside right. Susan is oh. here. A deeper voice. Wow. <laughs> whispers, whispers is a way of taking care of important Nautilus medical business. Yes, so we, yes, want, yes. You know, we wish him well with that, and we'll welcome him back next week. But we're glad to be here in the facility. Cranking out episode 26 to give me the hot sauce. Stacy. Our special guest today is going to be Carlos Correa. You've got the Montreal Expos cap, so you're in the baseball frame of mind. Yes, right? yes. You know, I always like the Montreal Expos colors and their hats. I thought they were pretty sweet. You know, there's a yeah. bunch of vintage hats that I, I collect that I like to wear. You know, like the Pittsburgh Pirate, the the box top with the right. stripes. <laughs> oh. We are family. We are yeah, family. Yeah, yeah. No, that was a sweet hat too. There's a there's a lot of them I like to wear. The A's have a good used to have a good one too. So, yeah, I'm a baseball co- uh, hat collector. Yeah, that's 79 World Series. The the Pittsburgh Pirates and the Baltimore Orioles were the Ugh. Willie Stargell led them back. I think they were down three games to they one. They down. came back to yep. win it. That really? was, that was yep. a classic. And those really? unis, those were sweet. Yeah, they <laughs> were. They were. That's how I became a Pirate fan. Yeah. And then when Barry Bonds came, I was a Pirate fan. And then they just kind of... T- before he yeah. turned into the Incredible Hulk, because that was just yeah, like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah, the magical uh, was it the clear, <laughs> <laughs> the clear and the cream. Montreal was a great stop, yeah, in the baseball. I mean, I know uh, the Montreal Canadiens. It was fun to go there for hockey, but for for baseball, I had a chance to go there during the summertime to Montreal and uh, to to see the the Olympic Stadium mm-hmm. that was built for them. And uh, I read a book up up and away. About the Expos, great read. All the great players they had. A lot. Andre Dawson played there. Tim Rock Reigns played there. Steve Rogers, you know Gary Carter. They had some amazing. They had some amazing teams. So and they were the team that was done in by the eighty-one baseball strike. And they had the best record overall, but they didn't win either half, so they didn't get. Larry Walker. Larry Walker. Look at all this baseball. Pedro Martinez. Yeah. Yeah. We are ready to go. That was awesome. That was an awesome uh, team. Yeah. Well, Carlos is in the on deck circle. We'll get to him in a little bit. First, we're going to start with our weekly check of the NBA and the Bulls. We're coming at you recording this on a, on a Tuesday morning. So we're up bright and early to get this done. And, and Stacy, 
Casey, you called a good game last night. The Bulls beat the Miami Heat. The Twin Towers combining. <laughs> they each had 20 points and 10 rebounds. I tell you what, it's it's going to be really hard uh, to not re-sign Daniel Tice. Oh, yeah, yeah. Seriously. I mean, because... Honestly, he, he does everything that you want out of your big. I mean, he can play the four. He can play the five. He's interchangeable at those positions. Okay, he's not the best three-point shooter, but he shoots close to 35% for a big guy. That's pretty good. At least, yeah. at least he is a threat out there. Uh, he has high basketball IQ. Uh, defensively, I mean, I, I mean, back line of our defense when he's in a game, you just have so much confidence that he's going to rebound, he's going to be where he's supposed to be on the rotation, he's going to block shots. What did you think initially when Billy went to that lineup where he had uh, the, the two big guys? Now Lowry Markkinen played the three down the stretch. That's three big guys. Sometimes it can put you in, make you a little bit vulnerable in the defensive end, but it worked down the stretch. They took advantage of Miami's lack of size up front were able to close the game with that lineup. Well, you know, with Troy Brown Jr. being out, um, it's forced Billy to have to, you know, kind of rotate guys in there at that three spot. He's tried different combinations. He's given to Lowry because Lowry can shoot the basketball, and then it gives him extra height. I mean, it's tough to match up with three 6'11", 7-footers out there. Um, you know, if Lowry, can, if Lowry can play position defense, mm -hmm. you know, where he just stays in front of guys and then, you know, utilizes his length and his height, he could play that position. Because if you think about Lowry on offense anyway, he's on the perimeter anyway. He's actually playing a small forward. Right. So it's not something like a stretch, like, oh, we're going to put him out there and, oh, he's going to be lost out there. He plays out there all the time. He takes the majority of his shots from the three-point line. So um, I, I give Billy credit for for putting him out there and, and giving him an opportunity because you want him on the floor. I mean, he's too valuable to this team not to be in some kind of role. But with Tice playing the way he is and with Vooch playing the way he is, it's tough to get him minutes at that four and five and Thad too. So those three players are really making it hard for him to get any minutes at that four or five position. So Billy now is putting him at that three just to get him on the floor and it's worked out. So the Bulls split the two games in Miami, and, and John, you produced Stacey's games for so long. You had to chuckle when you heard the call on Denzel Valentine's pull-up oh. from the hash mark on a Saturday. He, he started it. It was no. <laughs> and then Adam, no, no. And then it was the worst shot, and then yeah. that trended. Yeah, it was, uh, I was laughing. He was doing a little play-by-play -play yeah. king, which is good to see because he's versatile. You know, and that, right. some levity to the moment because you were down four. Right at that oh, point, this is a two possession, two possession game. game right, <laughs> just bring back memories on that yeah. one, man. Yeah. I, listen, I, I'm I'm a Denzel Valentine. Way to bring fan. it down. Yeah, way to bring the whole show down there, Mark. You know, I'm a big Denzel Valentine fan. You know, I I, I think he has a skill set. I know a lot of people right now saying, "No, he's not, Stacey. No, he's not." Yeah, I, I like his game. He has he has a good basketball IQ. Didn't show on that play, <laughs> but. Pretty much consistently, he's been the Bulls' best passer when he's on the floor. Um, he can knock down shots. I think the problem with Denzel is, is that I think he needs to find out what his role is on this team and fill that role. I think a lot of times these guys, because they want to be something that they're not, they want a bigger piece of the pie. Mm -hmm. Therefore, they do the things that they're not capable of doing. But if you play a role, if you come in and you're a spot-up shooter, be the best spot-up shooter you can be. If you're a knockdown three-point guy, you have to knock down shots. That's your role. If you're a ball mover and a dribble penetrator to get everybody else involved, play that role. And that's the one thing I think with this team, you got so many kids on this team that think that they're the man. And, and really, they're not. Yeah. And, and that's what's wrong with some of this NBA because you, you pay these guys like they're LeBron James and some of these superstar players, and they're not even on that level. But they get paid like they are, so they think that they are. So 
you got to play roles in the NBA, man. A lot of that's how you win championships. You can't you can't have everybody trying to be the main guy, you know, like like Phil would always say, you know, um, you know, too many chiefs, not enough Indian type thing. You know, everybody wants to be the man, you know, and, and you got to be able to fill a role. Yeah, one thing's for sure, Denzel's not lacking for confidence. And another, no! another guy who doesn't lack for confidence is Kobe White, and his numbers have really shot up since Zach Levine has been out because of the COVID health and safety protocols. He's cut down on his turnovers. He has He's had like a, almost a five-to-one ratio, which is elite in terms of assist to turnovers. And the game, Billy Donovan mentioned the other night after the game that he feels like it's slowing down a little bit. People have to remember, Kobe White is 21 years old. He's in his second NBA season. Everybody wants it now. And I think if they continue to work with this kid, he can do some things for him that that don't just put him in a box and say all he can do is shoot because he's got other skills. Well, you got to remember, this is basically his first year. Right. Technically, this is his rookie year. You know, he's being coached by a, a really good coach. Mm-hmm. He's They've given him the keys to the car to be a point guard, and he's learning on the go. He's learning on the fly. Last year... His role was to be Ben Gordon. Just right. come off the bench, try to get 25 or 30. That was his role. So his mindset for all those games last year has been score first, pass second. Now you're asking him now, we need you to pass first, pass second, shoot third. And that's really hard for a young player to do, especially coming from how much success he had as a rookie last year to his second year in the league. Now you're asking him to redefine his role and do something different. Now, I will say this about Kobe. Kobe is such an elite, he's got elite speed. Like, I mean, for 6'5", the kid can go up and down super fast. And sometimes he gets to going so fast that he's out of control. And he just needs to slow down. And that's going to come with time. And what I've learned, what I've seen throughout since Zach has been gone, you can just tell he's much more comfortable being who he is on the floor. You know what I'm saying? Like, when you watch him play... Like first couple quarter, the first quarter he'll have two or three turnovers, and then it looked like he'll start to revert back to the old Kobe, and then he'll get himself under control. He'll hit a couple of shots, and then all of a sudden, bang, he's he's on a mm-hmm. roll. Here's some stats for you since he started come back in the starting lineup. They're four and three. He's averaged nineteen. Yeah, like you said, six to one assist to uh, turnovers. So that's really amazing. Uh, you know, progression for a kid that was struggling at that position. And, and when you yeah. have a guy, you know, that can spot up shoot. Catch and shoot yeah. like he can. He can, Okay, yeah. When you got a guy like Vooch who, who who requires a double team, Tice who can make passes out of the post or at the top of the circle, you need guys like Kobe. You need a guy that can step up, catch and shoot consistently. When you watch Kobe shoot the basketball, you pretty much think it's going in. Yeah. Like, I mean, every shot that he takes from a catch and shoot situation looks automatic. It's when he sometimes when he gets to going out of control and he's trying to do too much and stop and shoot. That's when it looks like it is really not falling for him. But when he catch and shoot, when he's moving off a double team and there's swing, 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 it looks good every single time. Yeah, he made two big catch and shoot threes in the fourth quarter as they held off the Miami Heat. Of course, you know that our, our guy Stinger uh, directs games for, for the Bucks on a regular basis. And first, I got to ask you, what is Bally Sports? I know Bally took over the, the Fox Sports uh, regionals. What, what is that? Anyway? I don't remember Ouch. talking about this in our production. <laughs> I'm, just, uh, well, I'm, I'm just curious. This well, that's a- that's uh, Bally as in fitness? the hotel. No, oh. not, no, everybody thinks it's fitness. No, it's the hotel change. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, that's why they went with Bally Sports. And, um, and to change yeah. all the logos and oh, all the yeah. signage. It was quite was undertaking. It we did it it's in huge. the middle of the basketball yeah. season. 
And not only did we change all the look, but it, it, a total different philosophy with the belly bar. That's going to be a constant thing. And we're doing like all a, that. It's, it's like, like a ticker, ticker on the bottom. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. But and we're doing that. It's a from lot of site. real estate. There's a lot of, yeah, that's valuable real estate in the, in the television. So it's still world. Pfizer arena though, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's Pfizer, but it's Bally. So every Fox region is now Bally. So right. Fox sports is gone. Yeah. So now it's Bally Sports. So it's Bally but Sports. It's Bally, not Bally's yeah. Sports. Bally. Too, too many S's. Yep. They took Bally. Yep. Yep. Bally. So sports. it's Bally Sports, Wisconsin, North. So that's all Fox now. That's all Fox. It's 42 teams, including the Marquee Network, which is falls under Bally, right. as well as the Yes Network. They're considered part of Bally. So you have to tell our guy, Jim Paschke, stop saying Fox. We're not, you're not on Fox yeah. anymore. <laughs> well, he, he does a good job of that. Yeah. I don't think he's mentioned it too much. It's the same thing for the guys that do Brewers. It's now American Family Field. No right. Yeah, Park. that's a tough one. Yeah. So, yeah, no, we, we've uh, embraced, you have to embrace change in this business, having worked at NBC, which Comcast, and you know, uh, Sports, Channel. Sports Channel. We went through so many changes and so many different uh, corporate uh, philosophies. And uh, for us on the bottom, you know, it's, we just sort of. It's it, tough for the fans. I, I still call yeah. it. I still sure. call it Comiskey. I mean, hello. <laughs> yeah. Southside. Well, that was a rant we were going to have later in the show about <laughs> uniforms. But yeah, yeah we'll that, say we'll save that for yeah. later in the show. But what, what I was leading up to is that name has changed, but the problems remain the same for the Bucks. Giannis can't score Last they don't have any supporting scores. Last time I checked, they're third in the East at 37 and 22. You know, well, I watch every game. I'm a Milwaukee native, and and I just don't like what I see. It just seems like, you know, they had that chance two years ago when they lost Toronto in the conference finals, and then Golden State was hurt, of course. They could have won a championship. Now, I don't I don't see them going. I think their priority I'm with you, Mark. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's great. Wow. <laughs> the priority, wow. the priority is for the postseason, though. I think that's what they're th gearing towards. They're trying to figure. They've done some different things. Right. Switching, trying to get the ball out of Giannis's hands like we've talked about. Holiday has been a huge addition. They locked him in. So they're hoping that, you know, for the postseason, they'll be built to make a run. Um, I, see, I see some brilliance at times. I see guys that... Sometimes can't get shots off. Like, you know, it was frustrating against Atlanta, like you, we talked about. Yeah. You know, they closed Up the Up 10 paint. in the fourth quarter, and they get hit with like a 25-9 to nine run. Yeah. Brutal. Yeah, and Bogdanovich is, you know, he's hitting, you know, he had 35 in the game. Lou Williams had 15 in the fourth. Yeah, so they're back at it tonight against Charlotte. You know, we're, we'll end this road trip with a back-to-back -back against the Bulls, and, you know, we'll see. I mean, you know, maybe, you know, Charles Barkley said that th they were the team to beat. <laughs> well, that's a yeah. kiss of death right there. <laughs> yeah. When's the last time yeah. Charles yeah. was yeah. right about it? You know, you know what, Good though? But you know what? I mean, listen, I mean, the regular season really is yeah. coming down to the point where it really doesn't matter. You already know who the top three teams are going to be, whatever order they're going to be in. Mm -hmm. um, the problem with Milwaukee is that's been the problem the last five years in the playoffs is that. You've got to get the ball out of Giannis's hands. He can't have the ball 99.95% of the time, and he's not a playmaker. You know, he can make the basic pass, but it's when you're getting rotations of two or three people rotating, you know, that kind of throws him off a little bit. And then on top of that, your shooters. You know, when that when the game gets tight, can Connaughton make a shot? Can DiVincenzo yeah. make a shot? Yeah. Yeah. See, when you're winning, you're up 15, 20. Everybody cool. can make a shot. But, yeah. I, but I will say this, though. I will say this, is that they have an advantage because they're playing at home. They will be, they're will be they not in a bubble. I thought the bubble really affected them last year. I think being able to play at home and have a home court advantage, even if there's not a lot of crowd in there, just being at the Pfizer Center is going to really, really help them out this year. 
Yeah, I guess Stinger's been called away for important Valley business. So uh, we're going to Valley, Valley, <laughs> get to work, boy. Get your butt in here. Take this call. Yeah, you work for us. You know, you know the thing, though, when I watch Milwaukee, every need possession, they go back to that running that one four flat with Giannis at the top of the key, and everybody just loads it's up the lane, and they don't score. It's not going to work. They got no, one it's speed. Not, it's not going to work. It, it, listen, you wall him in. It's yeah. been proven. Just wall him in. Let him get in there to the point where he gets so far in the paint and then all of a sudden he's just throwing the ball all over the place See, we and can so, we can say this now that john stepped away yeah john's gonna yeah yeah <laughs> get over here we need to talk to you right now john that's what valley's telling right now I don't he know. had to leave yeah that, that valley tickers i think you know i'm kind of nervous about the whole gambling Oh yeah, that's the big thing. Everything, everything's no, going You guys had a side. We had a side broadcast. I don't like it, and I see they're getting all that real estate on the bottom of the screen, and I feel like it's just. But that's they're, the they're, way of the world. That's the, I know. It's I'm the old. I told you. Commit <laughs> it's the change. The it's the change. The uniforms. I'm. You either got to change with them, or you're gonna stay behind. Uh, right. I, I know that. Uh, I think again, Charles Barkley. I think mentioned this on on a recent Inside the NBA. He said that he talked to an owner who said they're not even going to need the TV money because the gambling revenue is going to oh. be so incredible that that's going to be able to fund everything for the NBA. Wow. That's not good. Well, hey, yeah. listen, you know, I don't have to worry about that. Hey, you know what? I'm just the man sitting next to the man. and <laughs> It doesn't concern me. It's above my pay scale. So I don't worry about it. I'm just the girl fixing the video for yes, the man sitting yes. next to the man. <laughs> and I, unless I was like doing something like a Pete Rose type situation, right. you know, I'm, but I'm not, I don't How about that. Pete Rose? This is something that I rant about at home all the time because, you know, I mean, I love Pete Rose and I'm not arguing about his situation and the whole thing, but can you imagine how ironic and rich that's yeah, going to be yeah. when the whole league just surrenders to gambling and Pete Rose is still sitting there. Well, you're going to have yeah. be able to gamble with your remote. Just click a button. Yeah. You know, yeah. That makes a yeah. wager while you're sitting on your couch. I, I tell you what, I mean, my kids, my kids do it. They, they yeah. bet. I like the other day I was watching a UFC fight and my, one of my sons was sitting there and he was betting on the fights. Yeah. You know, who's going to win sure. each fight. And he's like, oh, man, I just lost. Oh, I'm like, what are you talking about? I'm like, the dude lost, not you. He's like, I bet on this one. Uh, you know, they play that. I, I'm like, y'all play that. He said, they bet on everything. Yeah. Like how many buckets a guy's going to make. Right. You know. You uh, can bet on anything. Yeah, anything. You know, yes, it's you not just betting yeah. on who's going to win or lose a game. Nope. It's every quarter. It's how many points in yes. a quarter. It's yes. spread in a the quarter. Coin yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, it's, it's, they play draft. I think it's DraftKings or something. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's, that's the one. They, that's the, the young kids play. Oh. And I mean, they bet on everything. Yeah, I'm like, good lord. Yeah. DraftKings be a great sponsor for giving me the hot yeah. sauce. Yeah, it would. Yeah, yeah. We're we're listening. Yeah, if you're out there always, listening, we're always just, you know what? Right? We don't turn nothing down but our collars. <laughs> uh, you know what I'm saying? I love gambling. Yeah, we do. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, Stinger's back. He just Woo! slid back in here. Oh, no, he's, he, oh, he's multitasking. Yeah. Oh, multitasking. Okay. Okay. Hey, a couple of uh, winning streaks came to an end last night. The Knicks had won nine in a row, and, and they lost last night. And then Washington had won eight in a row. They lost in overtime against the Spurs. It's been interesting to see Washington. We thought they were they were dead. And, you know, Russell Westbrook had a kind of a tough adjustment when he first got there. Now he's playing at an elite level again. Bradley Beal, he was going back and forth with Steph Curry for the NBA scoring title. What do you make of Washington coming on so strong late in the season? Two all-stars. Yeah, yeah two all-stars. And if, once they were able to find their way together, learn how to play with each other, everyone else falls along. You know, you got Gafford, who's playing like Dwight Howard. You know, I mean, they've got so many 
you know, uh, Bertrands who knocks down threes, you know, when you got a guard like Russell Westbrook that can break down the defense and find shooters and find a big guy, I mean, he's throwing lobs at Gafford. He's finding Bertrands for threes, you know, Bradley Bill's coming off screens and, and being able to get buckets and scoring 35, 40 points. Uh, if, you know, if they, they made a commitment to defense, it seems like. It seems like they that, that light went off like, hey, we got to play some defense. We're just not going to outscore everybody. So they're attempting to play defense, and I think that's been the big key for them. And then just realizing veteran players, you know, they want to get to the playoffs. You know, we're, we're not, you know, you know, we're not here to just be playing, you know, basketball. We're here to play in the playoffs. And if we got to, you know, play a play-in game, so be it. But at least we want to get there. And so I think that's rubbed off on some of the younger players, and they're hungry. You know, you look at the Eastern Conference, we were talking about the the top three could go in any order, but I think getting that top seed is really valuable because right now the four or five teams are the New York Knicks and the Atlanta Hawks. So if you're one, your second round opponent is going to be a team with no real playoff experience in the last 10 years, really a chance for that team with the top seed in the East, maybe to kind of waltz into the conference finals. Well, I tell you what, I I would not, you know, underestimate the Knicks or mm-hmm. the Hawks. I mean, because the Knicks, first of all, Tom Thibodeau has done a masterful job of that yeah, team and got that team playing tough. Derrick Rose is having a, a comeback, you know, player of the year award type of year. And really he's been back for the last three yeah. or four years. Yeah. So it's really not a comeback player. Um, you know, and you got Julius Randle, who's playing at a high level. They, they play defense. They compete. They're, they're hard nosed, you know, team. Atlanta is is the is the wild card because the way they shoot the basketball, you know, they, they got perimeter players that can actually shoot the ball. And you got Lou Williams now. It looks like Lou Williams, the sixth man of the year, Lou Williams. It's almost like it was a change of scenery that got him rejuvenated and being I think he can he's get from wings Georgia. anytime he wants. I, I think too. he's from Georgia, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So he's kind of at home. And then you got, you know, they're they're winning without Trey Young. I think they're five and two, you know, without Trey Young. And um, you know, they're playing that Bogdanovich is playing at all-star level too. So and uh, Clint Capella, I mean, right. 25 points, 15 rebounds and John Collins. I mean, they're, they're a scary team because you know what? They don't, they don't have nothing to fear anybody because they're not supposed to be there. We're not supposed to beat certain teams. And I think they'll go in there with the mindset, like, let's just have fun, turn it loose and let's go. John was saying that, um, what is it? Nick's Randall. He's on the road finding gyms to work out at. Yeah, uh, with yeah. the team taken after Kobe. Well, his his numbers. He's going to be the most improved player in the NBA this year because he's his, his numbers have gone up. I think he went from a twenty nine percent three point shooter to about forty one percent. That's a big jump for a guy who's been in the league for like seven years. He's putting in well, work. Well, I mean, he, he's he's a kid that if you remember him in high school, he was the number one high school player in the nation. And you know, people, you know, once he got to college, they kind of kind of lost him a little bit and he came to the league and he had the, you know, his first year was kind of struggle. He got hurt in, in Los Angeles. So uh, just started really, you know, just, you know, hanging around Kobe. And the story is, is that, you know, when they're on the road, Kobe's always shooting at 10 o'clock at night, 11 o'clock at night. And Kobe would be coming in when they're all getting ready to go out, yeah. you know, and they'd be like, well, wh- where are you going? Wait, where'd you come from? He's all not right. going to the club. Yeah, he's not going to the <laughs> club. So he, you know, he's working out, he's shooting, he's in the gym, you know, he did it in every city. So uh, Julius Randle's like, you know, man, this is why Kobe's killing everybody. This is why he's so good. You know, and you start, you know, start following that guy. You know, that's what young players are supposed to do. You're supposed to find, you know, find out how the vets do everything. And what better mentor than Kobe Bryant, you know, sure. and, and Kobe Bryant started taking him with them. And then all of a sudden now he's learned how to do it. And now he's doing it in New York and guys are buying in. But the big thing is they're buying into Thibodeau and Thibodeau knows what he's doing. There's a reason why Derrick Rose is there, and there's a reason why Taj Gibson is there. Those two guys alone are are still playing at a high level. 
and they can tell these other guys when Tibbs gets on that little, they feel like the coach doesn't like him mode. They can say, no, Tibbs loves you. He just needs you to play harder. He needs you to come out here, focus and, and to do the things that we need you to win. And that's been one of the reasons why they're winning. That sounds like Chris Paul. I, hey, did I, you save the company? Or is that, I don't have, I'm multitasking. Do you still have a job? <laughs> yeah, you, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Sounds like you still got a job. But, but I, I just had to get in there because I've been saying this for weeks and we don't talk about it enough. Everybody talks about LeBron. Chris Paul, what he's done yeah, in amazing. Phoenix yeah. is incredible. I, I don't, he should get MVP considerations. Last night he had 20. I mean, talk about it a mentor, at the end. a closer. Yeah. He's probably one of the best closers in the league. He's helped those young guys. He stabilized the whole team. He he coaches on the floor. I, I mean, I just can't say enough about what that guy going to Oklahoma. We talked about that, buying into that, changing the way he's habits. Because remember, they could have beat Golden State, in my opinion, a couple of years ago if he doesn't get hurt in game sure. six. Yeah, and he couldn't play enough. Now he's playing a lot of games and a lot of minutes. Yeah, because Phoenix is a lot like the Bulls. You know, they had high draft picks that weren't developing the way the organization had hoped they bring in a Chris Paul, all of a sudden it's all clicked. Well, and you also got to remember they brought in Monty Williams and that's a mm -hmm. huge stabilizer in that organization because they, they've been all over the place the last, <laughs> you know, five or six years. These young players, as you said, Mark, have not been able to develop. They've just been out there just playing. And then at the end of the year, one, two, three, Cancun, you know, type <laughs> situation, you yeah. know. And now you bring in a veteran point guard. And you saw what he did in Oklahoma City the year before. Oklahoma City wasn't even favored to even be in the playoffs and not even be in the playoffs at all. They were four seed last year. Uh, look where they're at now. You know, Chris Paul's still on that team. They're probably, you know, still playing in the playoffs, you know. So that to have a veteran point guard like that, that can stabilize your team and a coach also that reinforces stabilization, you, you, you're going to have this turnaround. And you got to remember, they were the hottest team in the bubble last year. So right. they, they got they got some experience last year of being in a in a win it, you know, win every game situation. And they got a taste of feeling they got around seeing how LeBron and all these other guys, you know, when you're in that bubble, you know, you are you are confined and you see all these great players walking around all the time where you normally don't see them. You know, you see LeBron James walking around on campus, you know, where he's in the weight room and they're doing how they prepare, how they eat, how they do things. And you're like, wow, OK, this is how he does it. You know, so that bubble was probably the best thing for them, the best thing for Utah Jazz. And it's evident with the way they're playing this year. Yeah, they're the number two seed in the Western Conference right behind the Utah Jazz. But I don't think. Everybody's looking in the rearview mirror at the Los Angeles Lakers. Anthony Davis is back. He had a good game against Orlando on Monday night as they, they got a win on the road. LeBron is going to be back soon. They're still the team to beat in the West, aren't they? Yeah, they are. I mean, they're they're with Andre Drummond there too. Uh, they're they're the team to beat. And I think, you know, they the fear, you know, the objects in your rearview mirror are closer than they appear, type thing. And that's what it is. Everybody, you know, everybody's like, oh, the Lakers are slipping because you know, those guys were out. Well, what it did was it gave all their role players an opportunity to step up and get better, regardless if they won the game or not, right. but to have confidence in their own abilities that they can step up when needed to make big plays or make big shots. So now you're getting these guys back and those guys have confidence and they're ready to go. Looks like this is going to be the second year in a row. We're not going to see Zion Williamson and the Pelicans in the postseason. I think they're about four games back of the last play in spot. But Zion is the first player since Michael Jordan to score 2,000 points in 80 games. And every time I watch the Pelicans, you just think 
this guy is a more athletic Charles Barkley. I mean, he is an yeah. incredible player, and you and I think he's going to be the face of the franchise and or face of the league. Excuse me, in a couple of years. Well, the league is in great hands. You know, when LeBron James decides to step down. You know, there's so many young stars. You got, you know, John Moran in Memphis, uh, Luka Doncic in Dallas, you know, Zion in in New Orleans. I mean, there's a ton of good young players. You know, Trey Young. Mm -hmm. I mean, you just – Devin Booker. Yeah, I mean, Devin Booker. I mean, there's so many good young players. But still, the old school guys are still there, though. Yeah. Old heads are still there. Yeah, you got to get through LeBron James to win a title and and Anthony Davis. So, you know, I I think the big thing is Anthony Davis. I'm not worried about LeBron. LeBron is like – you know, he's like Optimus Prime. You know, know, he's just indestructible. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's Anthony Davis you you really worry about because he's had injury problems when he was in New Orleans. He missed tons of games. And now you're starting to see him miss games with the Lakers the first two years he's been there. And now you got he's got that calf, Achilles type situation. Yeah. The same thing that we saw with, you know, Kevin Durant a couple of seasons ago that makes you kind of worry about, okay, is he gonna be able to play? in a playoff series, a grueling playoff series, you know, without having to go through any injury. Well, we're going to try to find out what happened to Stinger. He said, mysteriously disappeared. If you're watching the feed on, <laughs> on YouTube, got called in by the company. As we go to break, we just to mention, we talked a lot about Steph Curry in recent weeks. He set the NBA record for most three pointers in a month. He has been amazing, averaging about 38 points a game, but it's baseball in the on deck circle. We'll visit with Houston Astros star shortstop, Carlos Correa, when episode 26 of Give me the hot sauce rolls on. Give me the hot sauce. It is time to talk some baseball, and we are lucky enough to welcome in the star shortstop for the Houston Astros, Carlos Correa, who's going to join us to talk about some UFC. He and Stacey are both big fans of, of UFC, and, and we're also going to start out with getting an update on what's going on during the first month of the Major League Baseball season. And Carlos, I was watching the game the other day. You hit one up on the train tracks. What's it like <laughs> playing in that environment at Minute Maid? Uh, it's great. It's great. Uh, to have the fans back is amazing. You know, last year we, we went through a... 60-game season where we had no fans in the stands. It felt kind of empty. It, didn't, it, it felt more like a spring training game. But now that we get the fans back, we get that, you know, we get the, we, we get the yelling, we get the, the roar of the fans. And, uh, you know, I, I, I love it. I love it. I love every single second of it. Yeah, speaking of last year with the 60 games, I know how it was, in, in you know, for the NBA players. You know, just the energy that the fans bring every single, you know, night – you know, get you going. And it must have been hard for – it was hard for the NBA players. I know it had to be double hard for you guys, especially in a nine-inning game, sitting out there with no one yelling, not even cursing at you. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, in the NBA game, there's constantly something going on. There's dunks, there's three points. You know, there's somebody getting crossover. In baseball, you can go nine innings and nobody has scored a run. Nobody's hit a home run. Nobody has made a great play. So, you know, games can be slow at times. And when you have no fans in the stands, man, it can get a lot slower. So, so last year was tough for us, you know, getting used to the new COVID protocols and, you know, having to wear a mask everywhere in the clubhouse and the gym. Um, but now we're used to it. Now we're used to it. We went through it last year. And now having the fans back, man, uh, there's a reason to wake up every single day and drive up to the field. Carlos, how are you feeling about your ball club right now? You're at 11-11 as we record this on Tuesday. And Oakland has gotten off to a nice start, winning 13 games in a row. That division is going to be awfully tough. How, how do you like the Astros' chances this year? I love our chances. Good for us. You know, it's a 162-game season this year, you know, a 60-game season. So, you know, there's a lot of baseball still left to play. Um, 
you know, we started very good. Then, you know, um, five of our main guys were out because of, of COVID and contact tracing. Um, so during that stretch, we lost we lost a couple of games. We didn't have our whole team, but now we're back and uh, we're playing great baseball. Um, the last five games, they've been amazing. So, you know, looking forward to getting hot uh, during this stretch right now and, and go out there and finish April strong. When you when you look at you know I, I saw the other day you know the, the Trevor Bauer they were talking about the you know pitchers beaning guys after they hit a home run and you know and he he stood up and said hey look you know what I, I'll bring my best you bring your best and if you beat me so be it go and, ahead and, and celebrate and celebrate yeah. how do you feel about that because I've never been a big fan of, of pitchers beaning guys because they hit a home run I. I don't think I could play baseball because I think I'd have been charging the mound every time somebody <laughs> yeah. hit me. I'm dying a lot. You hit me with a wiffle ball, I'm coming at you. Oh boy, with a two piece. <laughs> no, absolutely. I, I I love the way the game is trending right now. You know that old school mentality of oh, if you celebrate too much, uh, I'm gonna hit you and all that. That 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 needs to go out the window. You know, baseball is a sport that is supposed to be fun, and if we want more fans to to go out there and watch the game, there's the players gotta show their personalities and they gotta show emotions and. Hitting a home run is one of the hardest things to do in sports. And, uh, you know, once you hit one of a great picture, you, you got to celebrate it. And, you know, I like the fact that, that he celebrates every single, you know, strikeout and he does his antics and whatever. But then when he gives a home run, he doesn't get mad either. You know, he lets you celebrate. He lets you have your fun. And, and I like the way the, that baseball is trending. All these young guys coming in with a lot of passion, with a lot of energy. I think that's going to bring a lot of fans back into the sport. Take me through your mental approach because you just talked about players pitching inside. But, you know, for you, I mean, for us sitting here on the outside going, oh, my God, you know, I saw Robinson get hit from the Brewers the other night. What's it like for you? Because they're trying to take part of that plate back. So, you, you know, they have that outside corner. What's your, you know, your focus? Are you looking for location? Are you looking for a particular pitch from a pitcher? Just take us through that process. Yeah, I'm looking location. I'm looking for a pitch down in the middle that I can swing at. It doesn't matter if it's a fast or slider changeup. If it's on the middle, I'm going to swing at it. I'm, I'm going to try to do damage with it. Um, in this baseball, it's not the same like it was five years ago when I broke into a league where 2-0 counts, 3-1 counts, 3-0 counts. It was an automatic fastball. Now it's not like that. Now in 2-0 counts, you don't get fastballs anymore. 3-1 counts, you don't get fastballs anymore. So, you know, if you're only looking for fastballs down the middle, it's going to be hard because in this sport, Pitchers are adjusting every single day, and they got great breaking ball stuff. So when they hang it, it don't matter if it's 0-0, 2-0, you got to make them pay for it. Carlos, you mentioned the return of the fans, and last year, of course, uh, it was very quiet in all the baseball stadiums. There was nobody around. You guys are all human beings. You have to deal with all kinds of stuff in your lives. How tough has it been for you personally to deal with all the negative fallout from from the pitch uh, tipping and all that, that type of stuff that happened? Has it been hard to deal with the fan criticism as you go from city to city? No, obviously, obviously, you know, you feel bad for what happened uh, back in all the way back in 2017. But you know what? What people are saying, the ballparks and all that, it doesn't affect me at all. Um, you know, the way my dad raised me was that you know you gotta care about your family, your inner circle, your friends' opinion. Because um, if we care about what people say on Twitter and Instagram at the ballpark, we'll never be happy with the lives that we live. You know, you, you can never please everybody and you're going to make errors. You're going to go out there. You're going to strike out. And if you focus too much on what people say on social media, what people say when you're on, on, on the field, then you will never be able to be happy with yourself. So in order for, for us players, you know, in our team um, to be happy and to move on, we, we got to have each other's back and keep moving forward. Obviously we feel bad about what happened back then. It will, it will never happen again, 
And now we move forward with a clean slate, uh, try to do the things the right way. When you look at this new new breed of shortstops, which you're included in that, you know, guys that are, are bigger, that can cover a lot of ground, strong arms, and, and big-time bats. Do you guys, like Lindor, Tatis, I know you guys are all friends. You you guys play with each other in, in the offseason. You know each other. Do you guys push each other to, you know, to, to challenge each other? Because everybody wants to be the best. Everybody wants to be the best at their position. It's no different in any other sport. So do you guys push each other to, to, uh, to be the best? Oh yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Every single, every single day, and even the off season, you know, I talk to my Puerto Rican fellas, uh, Lindor and Bias, and you know, every single day we try to go out there and be the best. And it, it, it's a, it's a friendly competition. You know what I mean? Because um, it's not that type of competition that you're wishing bad on the other person. You want them to do great, but if you want to be better, you gotta do even greater. So that makes you an even better player when you got those great guys playing at a high level like they are every single day. So it's, it's always fun, man. I, I keep up with them. I watch them. I love watching them play. And, you know, you, you always try to pick up some things from them because, you know, there's a lot of great shortstops out there. And if you can pick one or two things from each other, then you you keep getting better. Like that contract with Lindor got. I want to pick that up. Or Tatis. That was a nice one. That was a nice one. Yeah, you mentioned you get a chance to talk to Javi Baez a lot. It looked like they were closing in on a long-term contract before the pandemic hit, and then everything got pushed back to this year. They weren't able to reach an agreement during spring training. Uh, and talking to Javi, would he like to finish his career here in Chicago? Uh, yeah. yeah, he loves it there. He loves it there, and I'm sure you know the, the fans in Chicago are great. I haven't had the opportunity to play there. Uh, while I'm in the big leagues, I've had some workouts there when I was on the, going into the draft. Um, but the, the fans seem like they know the game so much and they love the game. I was in Chicago for a Kanye West concert when the Cubs were in the World Series and the city was was going crazy for the Cubs and I've never seen anything like that. So obviously he wants to stay there, but at the same time, it's a business. So, right. you know, we all understand how it works. I know one Javier one person. My, yeah, he was my baseball, Southside my loves baseball Javier. crush for more than a couple years. <laughs> I love watching him play. Amazing. So, so you know, Houston has always, you know, been in the forefront as far as the athletes and what they do off the field. You guys, you know, J.J. Watt, you know, the, you know, uh, James Harden, you know, all these guys and yourself, you know, you, you helped out there in the hurricane when, it, when the city needed it. Uh, you guys have always been there for the city of Houston. And now you're starting to look at this now and all those guys are gone. Like all those guys who were like yeah. in the forefront of, yeah. you know, of, of help rebuild that city are, are no longer there. They're gone to, you know, different places now. And you're like the last one, like you're one of the last ones there. So does that, when you look at that, does that cross your mind? Like, Hey, I might not be here, you know, in the future myself. Yeah. You know, you never know. And you know, why I close the doors here, I was in Houston. We, we have a great owner here in Jim Crane and, you know, he's always been great to me. Um, but like I said before, it's a business. We know how it works. They're trying to do what's best for them. I'm trying to do what's best for me. Um, but yeah, man, you know, with all those guys gone, obviously the city of Houston needs leaders out there in the community that can go out there and help. And, you know, yesterday I was honored here in Houston with the sports award, um, you know, for all the work that, that the sports, the, sorry, the sportsmanship award for all the work that we do off the field here with our foundation. You know, we, we work with kids with cancer, and, you know, we go visit them at the hospitals when they're going through tough times. And, you know, the kids that, that are not with us anymore, you know, we, we, we help their families with, with everything that, that, you know, you need to pay for after, after that happens. 
And then we shifted our focus a little bit also during the pandemic. Uh, we sent a lot of supplies, millions of dollars of supplies to Puerto Rico, to hospitals in Puerto Rico. Uh, we sent a lot of supplies in Houston also. So, you know, we're always involved in the community and we want to help people out because we know, especially here in Houston, there's a lot of people that need help, especially in the, during the pandemic. A lot The pandemic yeah. hit a lot of people hard and, you know, it hit me hard, it hit my family hard. So, you know, I know there's a lot of people out there that have it a lot worse. So our foundation is always going to be there for them. Speaking of Puerto Rico, your story is like out of the natural. Your humble beginnings of playing and going around and playing for all these different organizations. You know, it's like you almost like a renter player. And I, we had Danny Manning on, former NBA player, talking about how difficult it is to get the players to like practice and think that everybody's going to go to the NBA. And I look at your story and how much ba baseball you played, you know, and how hard it is. You know, people maybe don't understand like what the work goes in for where you came from and all the guys that have kind of followed before you now after you to, to come and play NBA, MLB at such a high level. It's just a remarkable story. No, thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. You know, my dad, uh, when I was five, you know, we went to the ballpark for the first time and, you know, he saw that, that I had talent for, for the game. And, you know, ever since I was five, I've been at the ballpark every single day of my life. When I was in eighth grade, I told him that I want to learn English because I want to be able to speak for myself when I get to the big leagues. So he got an extra job. He used to work in construction. So he would work from 4 a.m. to like 8 p.m. Um, so he would be able to pay for that bilingual school that I wanted to go to because I wanted to learn English for when I got to the big leagues. I was eight years old at the time. You know, my dad took me serious. And we kept working towards our goal. And now here we are, brother. And, uh, you know, awesome. all the sacrifice, all the hard work. Um, I will never forget where I come from. I will never forget my people from Puerto Rico. And that's why, you know, through our foundation and everything we do, we always shift our focus not only here in Houston, but also back home in Puerto Rico. Hey, one more baseball question before I know Stacy wants to talk. You have seen this <laughs> yeah. such a great card the other night. One of your uh, one of your former World Series teammates, Dallas Keuchel, is pitching here on the south side of Chicago. He helped the White Sox get to the postseason last year. He has been outstanding in a White Sox uniform. You got any favorite Dallas Keuchel stories, or or maybe what he brought to your organization as a teammate? Well, I gotta say, maybe some of my teammates would get mad, but Dallas Keuchel has been the best pitcher I ever played behind. Wow, why? I played I play behind him in 2015 when he won that side young. And it was special to watch because, one, he's a sinker baller with a changeup and a cutter. So that means a lot of ground balls to shortstop. <laughs> and I was active every single yeah. game. I was getting eight ground balls a day. And, you know, before before a pitch, he would point at me. Like, it's coming to you. And he would throw the pitch and the ball would come to me. So I was always ready, man. He's such a better at the game. He knows what he's good at. And he knows how to pitch. And he might not throw 98 to 100 like pitchers throw nowadays, but, man, he knows how to pitch. He knows how to locate. And I just love him. He's a really good friend of mine. We stay in contact through it all. And, uh, you know, he's he's definitely up there, one of my favorites to to play behind. White Sox are dangerous, aren't they, this year? They are. They got a great team, man. When you look at, when you look at their roster, you know, on paper, they, they look like, like they're going to be dangerous. So, you know, we'll see. They'll put it together this year for sure. All right, Stace. Yeah, we're, we're going to switch. We go. You're switching, switching speeds to UFC. Okay, we are. Well, we yeah. came from. Well, yeah, we came from yeah. Right. See, I saw sporting the, the oh Dagestan God. shirt right there, so I knew what it was. So yeah. you, you guys here might not know what Dagestan. That's where Khabib is from. The one of the greatest of all time. Uh, I consider the greatest of all time. And John yeah. Jones is right there too. I like John Jones, my guy. I like him too. But this week's card, <laughs> this weekend's card, I have to admit, I walked away saying that was the best UFC card I've seen in a long time. I've seen individual fights and you go, wow, that was a great fight. 
But every single fight that was on that card this weekend was lights out. And then the fans being back in the arena, you know, 15,000 people, the energy. I mean, you could feel that when I was feeling on my couch. I wanted to get in there and, and fight somebody. I, you know, I might have lost, but <laughs> I might have, I wanted to get in there and throw a two-piece on somebody. <laughs> yeah, the defensive back was definitely the cherry on top, brother. I mean, it's, it's been a while and we definitely missed it. Um, but the car, man, the main car was crazy. He had a little bit of everything. He had some nasty knockouts, some gruesome injuries. I mean, he had it all, man. And, uh, you know, when, when you look at that main event and, you know, thinking about it right before the fight, I was like, Usman's going to win easy. Because, you know, they, we, we all know there's levels to MMA. Yes, yes. And Usman's level right now, it's it's he's, he's on a different stratosphere. But I never thought he would finish Masvidal on the feet. I thought he would do the same and yeah. you know, try to grapple take him down, just neutralize him, maybe not 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 dominate him, but at least neutralize him. Um, but man, he stood up there with him and you know, he had that that little that little hand hey, grab yeah, right yeah. down the pipe. That was insane. I, I, and then I, I, my girl Thug Rose that we love in this house, my Thug wife Rose! my wife doesn't Thug! watch MMA, but when Thug Rose is fighting, she's tuning in and she's watching. How could you not cheer for Thug finish. Rose? How could you not cheer for yeah. Thug Rose? Like she is she's the most, she, she's the most like one of the best fighters to cheer for because she's so honest. She, you know, she, she's just like fun to watch and she's so emotional when the fight's over. Like, like she's breaking down in, in tears and because she, she wanted that so bad. Cause remember the last time she got into, she lost her title when she got slammed by Andrade and, and all, I thought she mm -hmm. broke her neck and you know, most people yeah. would have quit after that, but she came back, man. And I, I'm going to be honest. And I love Thug Rose too. I know your wife loves Thug. Thug. I didn't think Thug Rose was going to beat. Uh, I didn't think she's going to beat her. I didn't think. Because that girl is tough. I, I, yeah, Wei Lee's tough, but I had Thug Rose beating her. One, because she's way longer. And two, because she trains with Trevor Whitman. And if yeah. you're going to beat a Trevor Whitman fighter, it's got to be on the grappling department. It's really hard to beat a guy that trains with Trevor Whitman, which for me is the best striking coach in all of MMA by a mile. And Doug Rose has been working with him for years. So I, I didn't see Wei Lee beating her on the stand-up, but I didn't see Doug Rose sleeping her in the first round. No. Like she did. That was that was, no. that was, that was with a kick to that the head. Beautiful. Yeah, she looked down to the feet, and I guess Wei Lee was looking at the eyes. And one thing they teach you when you're fighting is you never look at the eyes, you look at the chest because the eyes they lie to you. So Doug Rose looked down like she was going for a leg kick and then picked it up, and Wei Lee was following the eyes. She fell for it, man. It was a, it was a tough one for her. I, I I'm gonna tell you, man. I mean, I I was so hyped on that card when it was over. I had to rewatch it the next day because I was like, I couldn't believe what <laughs> I saw. Uh, and and the Masvidal fight, I, I just like you, I thought it was gonna be Usman gonna win because he was just gonna grapple him and then, like you said, neutralize him. I didn't expect him to stand up when I when I saw his when I saw that that training segment with with uh, Trevor Whitman and 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 Gaethje and all those guys. You could tell he's been working on his striking game. Because now, now mm -hmm. you gotta look at it, Carlos. Like, how you beat him now? You can't beat him on the ground because he got he got Khabib type wrestling, and now he strikes. Yeah. How do you beat this guy now? Yeah, so you know when when you look at Usman, his background obviously is wrestling, and he's really good at that. He's dominated that, and a lot of people, you know, um, I would say the casuals would call him boring because he would grapple a lot and he would neutralize the opponents. But then when he was gonna fight Gilbert Burns, he left his gym because they were both training partners. So he said, okay, you can stay. I'm going to leave. And he called Trevor Whitman and said, hey, Trevor, you know, I need to get better on my striking. I know you're the best. 
you know, can you make room for me? Because Sean Whitman only works with Gaethje and Rose, yep. only two. He says he doesn't want to work with a lot of people. He wants to focus on his two fighters and make them the best in the world. So he accepted Usman. He said, okay, you can come. So Usman fought Masvidal, but he used his grappling. Then when he fought Gilbert Burns, he didn't use his grappling at all. He knocked him out on the feet. Yep. And that's when we started seeing, wow, like Trevor Whitman has made this guy so much better. That jab is popping. That right hand is following. He's setting traps now. He's not predictable with his striking. It's great. And you saw with Masvidal on that last fight, he was popping the jab to the body, the jab to the face. He was throwing some hooks. When he saw that Masvidal was checking all the time with that hook, he was trying to come around every time Usman was jabbing. He went around, and when Masvidal was going to counter him with the hook, he went straight with the right yeah. hand, right before Masvidal landed left hook. And he, the pulled, and he, and the, and he pulled the hand down. Head body. Uh, he pulled mm -hmm. the hand. He pulled the lead hand. To, you know, he was parring the punch, and he pulled his hand down and hit him right down the pike with a right, right straight down the middle, man. It was out. You hey, see yeah. all the sweat going all over the place? Oh, it was awesome. <laughs> this is great analysis, yeah. and it just confirms what I've been hearing about Dana White in the UFC. They had 15,000 people. It was explosive. People were ready to get out there and go to these events they're selling out in vegas in houston and you guys are just talking about pure sport here and this is great because i think there's so many distractions and i'm not a huge fan but i'm a fan of listening to you guys break it down because <laughs> i love the competition so dude i'm telling you i've been a fan Dana white i've been a fan guess, since... guess who's going to the houston card hey, yeah hey, hey, we're here. I, hey carlos Carlos, I've been a fan I since say, Hoist I say, Gracie. I talked to Sack and I said, Sack, I need you to take the ball that day. Maybe <laughs> I need you to be on the mound. Because Sack scores super fast. Oh, yeah, he throws Sack. strikes. You know when Sack yeah. is pitching, it's going to be a quick game. I was like, Sack, I need you to take the ball that day for your boy. <laughs> he said, I'll try, I'll try. Hey, now you being in Houston, do you see Derek Lewis? Yeah, so actually I train at the same gym that he that he trains here in Houston. So in the offseason, I was training there with Coach... Uh, uh, Bob and uh, he trains Derek Lewis, so I got to see him a couple of times, and he looked great. So with that, I, uh, before that Curtis Blaze fight, you know, I was talking to his coach, and he said, "We've been working so hard, he's gonna knock them out." And I was like, "I believe yeah. it." So I bet on Lewis to win, and I I made some money there because you know they called bet. it. They, they they were working knees through the middle, uppercuts through the middle to defend the takedown, and man, he landed that one and put him to sleep. It's crazy because we had Curtis Blades on the show. Yes, we did. After that fight. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Wow. So he, he said, you know, he, he had talked about that fight because at that before that fight, he was on a win streak. You know, he was supposed to be, yeah, you know, in line for the title. And then, you know, Derek mm -hmm. Lewis put it, put it on him. And, uh, you know, I think the biggest thing I'm going to remember about Derek Lewis, like he's, a, he's a hell of a fighter. He's got, like, I think the, the most knockouts, I think, in the UFC. But... When yep. They interviewed him that the one time with that one gate when that one fight he had and, and they Joe Rogan was interviewing. He's like, my balls are hot, and I was like, <laughs> yeah, he said that. He was like, he's like, what he goes, Joe Rogan's like, hey, you just had a huge knockout, yeah. Derek Lewis. You yeah. know what are you what are you gonna do right now? He's like, I don't know, man. My balls are hot. I'm like, wow, this is UFC, baby, at his best. I like that's it. What I'm talking that's, about. That's how he got the title shot. Yes. So he he was a good fighter, obviously, but he he had a solid following, not that many. And then when he said that, it went viral. And Joe oh. Rogan said, follow Derek Lewis on Instagram. He's got the funniest page I've ever seen on Instagram. And he went from like 50,000 followers to like a million followers. Wow. 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 And then somebody got hurt and he got the next title shot because he was so popular in the community that if you give him the fight, you're going to sell pay-per-view. So they gave him the fight. 
Wow. I can stand it for me. Oh my goodness! So, Timmy, I know Timmy would have. So what, what do you, let me ask you a question. So what do you think about Jake Paul and 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 some of the stuff that they're doing, the amateur boxing? Um, you know, I saw he got in with the DC um, at the fight. You know, DC went up and confronted about all the stuff that he was talking, and that got well, heated. First, yeah, he got heated. But I gotta say, I've been watching boxing ever since you know I was five years old. I watched Felix Tito Trinidad going all the way. And every Saturday I get on my couch and I watch boxing. I watch MMA. I watch every fight. And the truth is that boxing is a dying sport right now. You know, MMA yep. is taking over. Yeah. Boxing is not doing it right. The reason why is because you got four or five belts per division. Everybody's a champion. The best are not fighting the best right now. In the UFC, there's only one belt per division. There's a ranking system and the best got to fight the best. The champs yep. got to fight the number one contender every single time. In boxing, that's not the case. So what Jake Paul is doing, I got to give it to him, man. He's making money. He's selling pay-per-views. He's yeah. bringing attention to the sport. He's got everybody talking about him. He's got MMA fighters calling him out. So he's doing something right. You know, he might not be the best boxer in the world, but he can throw some hands. And yeah. people say, oh, you, you knocked out Ben Askren. He's like the worst MMA fighter to ever be in the UFC. Jake Paul is the worst boxer in the box in the professional <laughs> boxing roster. Yeah. So what's the difference? Is the worst boxer fighting the worst MMA guy? And he knocked them out. So, you know, I, I, he's getting some respect out there. I think he can throw some hands. And he's, you know, he's he's a professional troll, brother. He, yeah. he knows how to market himself. Yeah. That's how he's made his fortune. So, you know, keep doing you, Jake. Yeah, do, do cool. what you do. What hey, you Carlos, do. are you, uh, any chance you'll ever get back in the ring? Um, I would love to. Maybe yeah. maybe after baseball. Oh, yeah. Baseball, no. Yeah. So <laughs> maybe after baseball, I would love to. It's, it's, it's my passion. The fight game is my passion. So. You know, King can be uh, your promoter. Yeah. No, I'm getting in the ring. I want to yeah. fight a celebrity. I want to fight celebrity fights. That's what I want to do. Somebody <laughs> got no training, and we just get in the ring. Dude, just you're like Thunderlips. You're like 6'8". I, I don't care, man. Who's going to be fun? Who's going to fight you at 6'8"? No, like, you know, you fight like Shaq. You know, you fight dudes that don't know Shaq. how to. Yeah, I, man. I'm, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. You're going to fight Shaq hey, now. Hey, Los, Los, hey, don't fight sleep on hands. Don't hey, don't sleep on the hands, Los. Okay, okay. Don't sleep on the hands. Okay, and I'm and I'm learning some kicks too. I'm going for the calf. I'm kicking in the calf. That's all I'm doing. I'm, 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 yeah, I'm kicking you in the calf. Los, Los, I'm telling you, I'm kicking you in the calf. You got to get the aerobic move. training going first. And listen, you know what? Your comments it, didn't go to another. The aerobic so training, listen, right, aerobic, Carlos? It don't, it don't matter about all that, man. Oh, it if, doesn't. If, if I can knock you out in the you first. Cardio? Yeah, cardio. I'm, I'm, you know, I got. I'm, it's pretty decent. This is your cardio. <laughs> it's pretty decent, Carlos. I, I don't want to see you like Connor after eight minutes. Yeah. Like, <laughs> hey, I ain't gonna lie. I ain't gonna lie, Lowe's. We might have to cut the rounds in yeah. half instead of, instead of a two minute round. It might be a fifty second round, baby. I'll be good for fifty seconds, but if we go past fifty, I'm in trouble, baby. I might tap out, but you didn't even hit me. I might just just tap out on the floor. It's over, man. I can't go past fifty, brother. <laughs> oh man, it's, funny, I'm glad. It's, I'm glad to see that you are the UFC fan. I, I was really anxious to talk to you about that, man. I see you a diehard fan. That's awesome because I'm a diehard fan too. And like I said, I've been watching it since Hoist Gracie. Uh, back when it used to be like a tough man contest, when you had to, you know, you had to win six UFC fights won. to get the oh, yeah. to get the the money. That's that's when it was really, yeah. really the submission hold. That he yeah, had. there. I mean, nuts. he was choking people out with the gi. That was tough. He was choking people out with his gi. That's what I like to do: choke somebody <laughs> out with my my jacket. Just put it around your throat and just choke you out. I think that'd be cool. 
So you, so you train that. Back, you back do... when people were kicking people in the face on the ground. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah exactly. Kneeing people in the back of the head. And... Well, it was outlawed in 49 yeah. states. Remember, it started in Denver. Yeah, that's right. Headbutts. Headbutts. Oh, oh my God. Here, here's a fight for you. What do you think John Jones does against Francis Nagano? Yeah, that's a tough fight, man. That's a tough fight because John Jones, he's been fighting at 205. Apparently, he was not motivated. That's why his performances haven't been as dominant. But now he'll be motivated against a guy like, like Engano. But John Jones has been getting clipped by the likes of Thiago Santos, who's been on a bit of a losing skit. He's been getting hit by the likes of Dominic Reyes, who just got blacked by Jan Blackovich. Yep. So with Engano, all it takes is one, man. If you're getting hit by these guys on Engano's level, you know, I don't see you going out there and dominating Gano. And if he's going to take down Gano, he's not going to take down a guy that's way heavier than him, that he's been, that's been fighting at the heavyweight division for years now, and that can actually defend a takedown now. Because Stipe tried, and he couldn't take him down. It was perfect, perfect technique to defend that takedown. So I see John Jones having a tough time. But if they were both fighting at 205, and Gano was the same size as him, I'll pick John Jones. But John Jones going up to fight a guy that's going to be 280 on fight night, that's going to be a tough one, brother. I, I'm going to give him a puncher's chance. Only reason why, because he's <laughs> so skilled with the way he attacks people. He's got a longer reach than Nugano anyway. I mean, he's got a super mm -hmm. long reach. He, he's one of the few guys that utilizes elbow strikes. And if he can get in and, 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 and the kicks and all that stuff, if he can get in there and, and get some you know, keep him off balance, keep Nagano off, you know, off balance a little bit, he's got a shot. But if he gets clipped... Ooh, it's lights out. You got 25 minutes of trying to avoid that hammer. Yeah, run, <laughs> run, run, John, run. When that guy is explosive as Engano. <laughs> yeah. That's going to be tough. But hey, it's a fight we all want. So I want it. Uncle Dana. Uncle Dana, uh, make it happen. <laughs> make it happen. Please make it happen. <laughs> Well, Carlos, Stacy could talk all afternoon Stay about uh, UFC, but I know you got a ball game tonight. The Houston Astros hosting the Seattle Mariners. We wish you the best of luck the rest of the season. And uh, if things don't work out in Houston, come on and play on, uh, come on, Chicago, on either side baby. of Chicago yeah, and play for Chicago, us. Come to Chicago, baby. Yeah, that'd be great. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Thank you guys so much for having me. It was fun. Thank you. Guys appreciate it, brother. That is the great Carlos Correa, the all-star shortstop for the Houston Astros on Give Me the Hot Sauce. Coming up next, Sauce. we take it off the wall. Give me the hot sauce. Wow, how great was Carlos Correa? And you know what? If, if we wouldn't have cut him loose, he'd have been late for batting practice. He'd missed <laughs> team meetings. And he'd say, he'd say, Where's Carlos? Yeah. Uh, he's talking UFC with yeah. Stacey King in Chicago. <laughs> yeah, that was a great interview. Great yeah. interview. He was fantastic. Yeah. Shout out to Carlos. Yeah, yeah, we wish him and the Astros well. Uh, we want to thank our great sponsors at Bubble Up. It's the cloud reimagined. Bubble Up is the new way to visually organize any kind of content all in one place. We thank them for their support. We're sporting our uh, Give Me the Hot Sauce shirts. John and I, you can you can buy those uh, somehow. Is Whispers in charge of that stage? Oh, well, also. Yeah. Yeah, Whispers. Oh, we got the hot sauce? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, okay, oh, yeah. bring it over here. Right over here. Show, yeah. show John. Okay, can we get... Personally endorsed by, by Stacey King. Yes, How many did you sell them? Do we uh, have any left? There's only three left, I think right? we only got three left, man. They're out there. Hey, listen, they're popular. They're popular. My fans, they love it. Wait till you taste it. Yeah. Wait till you taste it. You guys should taste that. You know, you can't be endorsing something if you don't taste it. Can I take right one? Right now? Home? Yeah, you can take one home. Should I try right now? I'll try it no, now. No, 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 no. It's hot. 
You know, yeah. you don't have any water next to you, dude. I got coffee. Okay. No, yeah. I don't no. know. It's good though. It's yeah. good. It's really good. Yeah. I can't wait. Yeah. Wait till you get home and gonna, tell me about I'm it. I'm going to open one up. Give so we, we, we appreciate our great sponsors and all our loyal listeners and viewers. And of course, uh, if you're watching us on YouTube, we would love to ha have you here. We're having a lot of fun. We're having more subscribers. Make sure to like and subscribe. We want to make sure we get the word out to join in on the party every week on Gimme the Hot Sauce as John tries to open that bottle. Now, yeah. now John, you, oh, you came up with a topic that you were interested in for our off the, off the wall segment. Very passionate because you, about Because you are a big oh. outdoor. Guy. Well, no, I mean, I've had lawn service for time. <laughs> yeah, he, has, he has lawn service because he's not home in yeah, the summer. To, he covers exactly. Brookfield, but yeah. last year during the pandemic, I was like, I needed something to do. So I bought a Toro. Oh. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's a self-propelled um, lawnmower. And yeah. and it's one of the greatest things ever. I'm into my lawn. I got my blade sharpened. and. Oh. Little shoot Rick Brock. He's been m mentoring me about different ways to cut diagonal. You don't want to cut the same way all the time. He said, I you have know, to listen to this all. Yeah. You don't. You don't want to cut it all the way down. Listen well, to it now, and I'm like, well, I'm, I'm like, cut the damn wait, grass. Wait a minute. This isn't about me, but how's the grass look? Now it looks good. I was in Florida. Blush. I came home and Blush. it looks great. But he it, wouldn't cut it. He's it like, no. Rick thinking. said you can't cut it until Tam it's like two feet long. Oh. You gotta wait till Mother's Day to cut the grass. Tamara oh. Anderson, her dad, <laughs> who works with Stacy. A long yes. time associate. Tamara's a good friend of ours. Great friend. She's yeah. awesome. Friend of the program. Her dad, for years, we've always joked because I always ask about Mr. Anderson, and he always, he's cut his lawn. He's now, he's 80, he sent me a photo. Yeah, yeah. And it got me thinking, like, man, that's the key to some really good long Stacey. health. And Susan's uncle, <laughs> Bob Sitcher, is the same way, and he's 80. And so I put a photo of him in there, too. It's two dudes from wow. Chicago cutting their lawn, yeah. man. And having a great time. So I just wanted to ask you, Mark, how's your lawn looking? It's looking great. My wife does a wonderful <laughs> job. <laughs> oh, there you go, Mark. Is that, is that really true? Your wife cuts your grass? She loves doing it. She hates when I do it. See? I actually, it up. When That's I, my when kind I, of woman. When I stop working full time. <laughs> my kind of woman. I said, why, why don't you. Edith, get me another beer. <laughs> why don't you let me get, take a pass at the lawn? And, and all of a sudden, I'm in the front yard, you know, going back and forth. And, then, and, and all of a sudden, oh. someone comes running out and going, the lines aren't straight. The lines aren't straight. Oh, wow. So. We used to do that. You know, you missed a spot, John. Yeah. Just, oh, like, just yeah. like he does when you just do. The driveway. Like the driveway. Yeah, 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 it happens. So you're finally carrying your weight now. No, it looks good. Yeah, yeah Susan really went good. on strike. She said, I'm not doing the yard. I did the driveway. I'm not <laughs> yeah. doing the yard now. Yeah, well, she'll get out there and pick up sticks because that's, like you said, it's part of the deal. But, but yeah, sticks no. And, it, sticks and dog shit. It's a, oh. He'll go, hey, I'm going to cut the grass. Can you go pick up this shit? Yeah, oh, like oh, someone's going to do that. I mean, I've, if I'm going to keep straight lines, Mark, it's I've got a two person job, right? Yeah, it's a. <laughs> Gotta carry your weight. Gotta carry your weight. So what you're saying is you still you know, can't get that hot sauce yeah, open. I can't. So, you, need a, you need a knife, I guess. I need a nail. So what you're saying is, is that you know, <clears throat> you know, it's really good to be 80 years old out there finding something <laughs> to do, cutting your grass gives you some exercise. It gives stuff. them something to th look forward to. Most importantly, I think that's it. Like knowing that they have to cut that grass, like you said, every yeah. Saturday. I, hey, I, I think that's <laughs> important. <laughs> I, I ain't cut grass. I was like 15 years old. Okay. Now did and you, when I get 80 years old. When I get yeah, 80 yeah, years yeah. old, I'm not going to be cutting grass. Cut. I could be thinking about some other stuff, like sex. I, I think I can stay in shape doing that at 80 years old. I think that would be a lot more fun, baby. I'm just being honest. I ain't cutting no grass. I'm not cutting no grass. I, I, I wake up with PTSD about cutting grass. My father was military. So every Saturday morning, all four boys had to get up. I mean, the only thing he was missing was a trumpet. He would come in there and everybody be asleep. It'd be like six o'clock in the morning. 
And it, it would be like, get up, everybody get up. Oh, let's go. We got work to do today. Let's go. So you got the front yard. You got the backyard. You got the, you know, the weed eater. You're going to pick up the trash. I mean, everybody has a job to do. And depending on your age was your job. So the older kids got had to cut the grass. And then me and my little brother, like I had to get the weed eater. And that was before the weed eater, you wore glasses. You know, you didn't wear glasses. And it didn't have anything to, to stop the things from flying up in your face. So I'm sitting, eh, pow, pow. almost lost an eye every single time. That's another reason I don't, I don't mess with the weed eater. Yeah. No, I'll let somebody professional, let's let a professional do that. Okay, yeah. but. How about a rake? Now, you know what, buddy? You know what? James King wasn't messing around. Everybody had a job to do. And uh, as I got older, I probably cut hundreds of yards. Because I used to make money doing cutting grass and cutting the neighbor's grass and stuff. Because my mom said if I if I want stuff at the store, when we go to the store, I say, Mom, buy me a buy me a Coke. You got any money? Yeah. <laughs> you know, hey, Mom, can you buy me this pack of gum? You got any money? No. You have a job? No. I'm six. <laughs> like, how am I supposed to have a job? I'm six years old, Mom. <laughs> well, you got to go out and work. Gotta go do something. It sounds Go like it's some as in Oklahoma. Are you an yeah. All-American? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just telling you, just, it's just, you, you, know, you, know, you, know, you know what, though? But it, it's like, you know, in Oklahoma, people, you know, you have to earn your living. You have to earn your keep. You're never too young to work. Right. And yeah. so, like, I had to cut grass. Like, yeah. man, and I, look at how you turned out. Is, hey, 100 degree temperature. 100 degree temperature out there cutting grass. And it just was not my thing. I said, you know what? One of these days, I'm never going to cut grass again. I'm going to be a star player, I'm and somebody else is going to cut my Somebody else going to come along, and you know what? Somebody else is coming along. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, America. I'm sorry, America. I'm lazy. I'm lazy. I'm lazy. You're I ain't going to lie. You're honest. I'm lazy. I'm honest. I'll run a vacuum cleaner, though. Oh, I'll my run. God. He's drinking Oh, he's drinking oh, it. Oh, no. Oh, drinking oh, it straight. Oh. Ooh, that's got a little kick to it. Yeah. Give me the hot sauce. Give me the hot sauce. Oh, he's drinking it like it's a shot. I think he's going to really disappear again. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty good, isn't yeah, it? It's very good. You know, yeah. My, my, my same uncle coffee. that cuts his grass that we're putting the photo in, when we got married, he took me aside and told me to, he goes, Susie, lay off the hot peppers. We like him because he cannot handle hot foods. Oh, I well, can't believe yeah. you just did that. It's good. It's not, it's, it's, it's hot, but it's got a really nice flavor to it. Yes. It goes know, down smooth. It yes, yes, yes. Goes down. Yes. I could see this with a chip. This yes, be, yes, oh. yes. Oh yeah, dynamite combination. Yes. If this oh. was a nighttime show. You'd be making Bloody Marys it. with. Seriously. Oh, quesadilla. Oh, K I had it on a quesadilla, quesadilla yeah. baby. Oh, yeah. God, it was yeah. good. Oh, now the King does cook. He's in yes, the kitchen. Yes, I, I will do that. I will yeah. do that. Yeah. I, had, I had salmon teriyaki the other day with uh, some rice. Yeah. Okay, I will do that. Yeah. But I'm not I cutting no grass. Do you have a a maid service? Yeah, you do. Okay, because yeah. I was. We've been over, and the place is immaculate. Yes, so that's he maybe does indoor stuff. Yeah, I don't know. I, listen, the maid ain't there every day. She comes once a week. Okay, okay. so there are times having two puppies that uh, there's messes all over the place. You know, my just just this morning, my two puppies. I have their toys in a box, and it's up on the stoop. And now they're tall enough they can get up there and reach down and pull the box down, and they pull sure. all the no. toys out, yeah. and they play with every single toy. So I was like. Ugh. I got to go to work, man. I ain't got time. I am not in the mood to be picking up. I am not in the mood to pick up toys right now. I got to go do podcasts. So I'm in here. I'm doing a podcast. And I left toys all on the living room floor. Hey, speaking of doing a podcast, a big event coming up this week in the world of sports. The NFL draft coming up on Thursday. Time for some rapid fire. Stacey King playing general manager. We know the first two picks. Trevor Lawrence is going to go first to the Jacksonville Jaguars. And then it's going to be Zach Wilson from BYU, the quarterback, going to the New York Jets. What? 
Which means number three on the clock, the San Francisco 49ers. They traded up, I believe, from 12 to get up to three, and everyone thought they were going to go after Alabama quarterback Mac Jones. But all of a sudden, they decided, well, they got a month to wait. They're going to work out the other two quarterbacks, Trey Lance and Justin Fields. Which way do you think the 49ers will go Thursday night, Stacey? If, you, if they take Mac Jones, mm-hmm. a huge mistake. Huge mistake. Because Mac Jones, I'm not saying Mac Jones is not a good quarterback. Right. Mac Jones was consistently rated in the bottom half of the draft, 23rd, 24th, 25th. All of a sudden, he's now the greatest quarterback. Right. You know, after the first two guys. And how has that happened? Because he looks like the before Tom Brady picture. Yeah, but you know what? There's a lot of guys. You can go go into Mariano's and find a guy that looks like Tom Brady, the before picture of Tom Brady. You know what I'm saying? You want to get a guy, you want to get a guy that that could be the face of your franchise that that can that with the way the new quarterback system is where you gotta have mobility, you gotta be able to move around the pocket. You know, Justin Fields. I would take Justin Fields from Ohio State. That's mm-hmm. just me. I mean, just watching his pro day, he clearly blew away Matt Jones, okay? And the way he played for Ohio State this year, and he didn't have the weapons that Matt Jones has. He didn't have the professional offensive line, the professional wide receivers. Uh, you know, you could have been back there, Mark, and look great. You'd have been a top five pick playing for Alabama with that offensive line <laughs> they had behind him, in front of him. So I'm not a big Mac Jones fan. Can he, can he be the next Tom Brady? I don't think so, man. There's only one Tom Brady, man. There's only one. There's only There's one, one TV12. Absolutely. Yeah, so if they one. if they make a switch and take Trey Lance, which is the other hot rumor going on, <sighs> then Mac Jones could fall. Uh, we don't know where Justin Fields is going to go. There's a lot of speculation that uh, Stinger's favorite team, the New England Patriots, are going to try to trade up to either seven or eight to get a quarterback. What do, what are you seeing in your crystal ball, there, Stinger? Well, one, first of all. Just have to remind San Francisco and Bill Walsh when they passed on the Brady Six. They took a guy from Hofstra. Remember, he he looked like Tom Brady until he took a hit in the NFL, and that was about it. What's his name? So, was it? Uh, um, wasn't it Gino? I, I'm, I'm trying Gino to find. I'm trying to find the. But I remember they thought he was the second coming, and uh, they had a guy like Tom Brady who right. went to the catch game, was a, idolized Joe Montana. But I know we're not talking about Tom Brady. But the thing I bring it up is they haven't drafted a quarterback. Always to talk about that. Always. In the first round, Rondo since was 1993 when they drafted Drew. Um, uh, Drew Bledsoe. Yeah. So it's intriguing for me. I'm all in the draft. I'm reading draft reports, and King is right. I mean, Mac Jones is 25 uh, on the board, and and uh, Justin Fields is eighth. So I don't know what's going on, but just I, takes one GM to fall in love with a guy. I, I I'm just so intrigued to see what look Bill, what happened to the Bears. They fell in love with Trubisky yeah. and let Watson yeah. and Mahomes go. And I Aww. and I'm just you know for yeah. me, this Bill <laughs> Bill Belichick. They had kind of an iffy draft. They've had so many great drafts. Last couple of years, maybe not so much. So I'm just interested to see how this goes because I love Cam Newton. Everybody doesn't like – I think Cam Newton is as good as they're going to – can take them to the playoffs. But I'm, I'm – Cam won't. Newton is, is the bridge gap between your next yeah. quarterback. Sure. If that's the route that they go. Cam Newton is a gap filler until the next quarterback is ready to go. But speaking of the Jets, there's a reason why the Jets stink. Okay? They, they draft horribly. Right. Okay? You, in my opinion, I don't care what nobody says. Sam Darnold is a franchise quarterback, in my opinion. Okay, you don't have an offensive line to protect the kid. You give him no weapons to throw to, no running game, and a young quarterback. The 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 one thing that's constant that they need to start their career is good offensive linemen and a running game. 
You give them a running game to take pressure off of and have to throw third and long. Uh, you know, give the, the running back the ball that can get you four or five yards. Now you keep the third down short and he can make the plays or whatever. You, you, look at Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow was injured last year because they had a crappy offensive line. Tore his yeah. ACL up. That kid got sacked so many times, but he shows you the ability to be a franchise-leading quarterback. He's shown you the ability he's going to be a stud. Now it's up to Cincinnati to go out there and start drafting the best offensive linemen and the weapons to put around this kid. And I think the Jets, you know, giving up Sam Darnold, I think Carolina got a steal with Sam Darnold. They, there's rumors they're going to draft a quarterback too when it comes down to it, but why would you? You got a, a kid that's 23, yeah. 24 years old already. To have two quarterbacks on a rookie contract so you can say I have two quarterbacks on my rookie contract is just stupid. Draft needs now. Go get you an offensive lineman to protect him or, or a wide receiver that can help him. Don't draft another quarterback because that's just a waste of pick if you ask me. But then again, I'm just sitting on the couch. Okay. I'm just a fan. Okay. Well, you're ready to get in the ring and fight. Yeah, I am. We I just mean, heard yeah, that. wait a minute. Well, that's you what know. they said about uh, 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 Mel Kuyper. Bill Tob Tobin said that about uh, Wink. Uh, uh, Kuyper yeah, years yeah. ago. Yeah, because he drafted Trev Albert. And he said, that's why they're the Colts. You know, yeah, that's why they're the Colts. And I'm saying the same thing. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm well, uh, Stacy Kuyper. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's why they're the Jets. Yeah, that's why they're okay? the Jets. That's why they're the Jets. Yeah. And and by the way, the guy, he was from Hofstra. Giovanni Carmarzo. Carmarzo or something. Oh, yeah. yeah. Giovanni. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, uh, yeah. the owner of the Patriots, Robert Kraft, uh, tweaked Bill Belichick for not drafting that well in recent years and that's why yeah. they're, they spent so much money Man, in free agency this year. don't even don't try to blame it on Bill you know once again okay. though once again if you're finishing first yeah. you draft last and on top of it you lose a lot of your free agents yeah but they've had like a hundred picks in the last three yeah, years but 20 years of success you're gonna have some bad draft do you want me to call up their drafts from recent oh, years? No, 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 all, no, 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 no. We don't want Devin that. Devin McCourty definitely don't want that. <laughs> definitely. All, all I'm going to say is, all I'm going to say about that is, it paid to have Tom Brady. Okay? Oh, it paid to have Tom Brady. <laughs> you didn't have to worry okay? about that. Because you didn't have to worry about anything. Tom Brady also, Tom Brady also deferred money so they could sign other people. Yeah. Like he's doing now. Like he's doing now. Okay, Tom Brady wanted to win. He wants to win. He wanted to win more than anything. So he gave up money to get people. Okay, yep. but at the same time, at the same time, Mark, I feel you. I feel what you're saying. They should have been preparing for life after Brady because they were caught off guard last year. You know, life without Tom Brady. Right. And now you got Edelman retiring now, um, who you know some people other than us <laughs> think he's a Hall of Famer. You know, Terrell Davis. <laughs> you know, we got we got we got <laughs> Terrell Davis. Davis. Okay. Oh, yeah. Well, of course, Terrell Davis. I mean, because Terrell Davis didn't play a full career either. You know, I mean, but he did. He did more he in moments. his career. Than Julian Edelman did oh, in his boy, career. Here we go. Yeah, oh, yeah, here we yeah. Go. What, we're not yeah. talking. We're, we're not, not doing this. Yeah. Terrell didn't say oh, that. No, Terrell. Oh, Terrell didn't say that. He said no. He said Julian Edelman deserves to be in the Pro Football Hall of Fame because hey, of great America, moments. America. <laughs> what? Hey, give me the rifles one more time. Oh, oh the right, rifles right. Right. Oh, yeah, thank you, Mark. If you, you think Julian, hey, America, and you listen to the show today. If you think that Julian Edelman deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, please contact us because yeah. I would like to know what the poll is of people. You know how go to get on, a hold I want you, I want you yeah. to come on Instagram yeah. and go to the Give Me the Hot Sauce Instagram page, please. and I want you to, to, to put your comment saying, 
I think Julian Edelman should be on being a Hall of Famer. Why don't you post that as well? Okay, I'm okay. going to post that. I'm going to post gonna that. I'm going to do a poll. I'm going to do. Yeah. I'm going to find out what people yeah, think. Let's find I'm going to do a Twitter poll. Let's too. go to the streets. Matter of fact, I'm doing one right do, now. Do it at the streets. Yeah, we are going to the streets because I want people. <laughs> I want to hear what people have to say. Please do. Because oh, unless they're all Boston fans, I does it. <laughs> Terrell Davis obviously is not a Boston fan, uh, but I'm, I'm not taking Terrell know. Davis. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Well, he's one. He's one guy that's. Hey, coming up next, we're going to have our fan of the show segment. Oh, we got a special treat for you coming up. Oh, boy. Mr. Troll Subin is going to join us. He is a professional gym owner, trainer. He's going to tell us some stories as we stay with our uh, UFC theme on Give Me the Hot Sauce, episode 26. Keep it right here. We are back on Gimme the Hot Sauce. Time for one of our favorite segments. It's the fan of the show, also known as John Walsh. This is your life. (laughs) John, I'm going to let you do the introduction to the guy that you knew from your days in California. He's going to probably correct me when I do anything. But but all I can say is I've known this guy for almost 30 years. I met him down in Redondo. He was training with Howie Long. I was working for the Raiders. Um, I've seen him, you know, from that point, build this incredible mecca on Hermosa Avenue called The Yard that myself and, and my brother-in-law, Steve, would go to. And uh, it's meant a lot to me and, and my wife and all the baseball. We had a ba- softball team together. We were at the Bartman game. He's a he's a master motivator. He's a life coach. I see what he does with the young kids in that community down in the beach area. It's quite an introduction. Yeah, he, he's something else. But, he's you know, it's funny. I, all this, and I walk into his gym. I'll bring people like Darren Sutton's come with me or... And I'll walk in and he'll just start undressing me. Like, doesn't, he won't even say hello to me. And then he just starts ripping on me. And like, I think I got into it with um, one of the, who was the guy from SC? <laughs> the big football player, but whatever. He, hey, John, he, uh, Broadcasting 101, you have not said his name yet. It's Troll Subin. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, thank yeah. you. Yeah. Thank Troll you. Subin. Thank you. That's what I was wondering. Well, you going to introduce You him? asked me to do the intro. I'm oh, not all right, there. all right. No, yeah. That's okay. a John Walsh So anyways, intro. Troll, you have the floor. Hey, Troll. Thanks for having me, guys. And uh, John, I'm not really sure what to say that smorgasbord <laughs> that, that just came out. But uh, I feel like the, the segment's almost over. You told me I had three minutes. Don't offend Stacy. Make sure make sure I'm prepared on on current events. And then you went into the to the time machine right there. And and I'm just going to say that you have an amazing wife. You married up, and uh, y- your kids have been uh, competing against their DNA their whole lives successfully. Wow. That's what I got upset. Stinger is speechless. You had that one prepared, huh? <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie, Troll. Well, I, let me, let me, hey, the kids, I, I try to say the kids every time I see them, you know, I try to, if they need help, just call me. <laughs> You know, because their parents, you know, they, they kind of bully them around. John bullies around, you know, makes them eat uh, burritos when they don't even like Mexican food. So I, I've decided to give them my phone number. Just in case they get in trouble, they can call me. I'll get them out safely. <laughs> I like that. That's a smart move right there. It's, it's the Stacy King lifeline. You know, 24-7, yes. they can reach out to you, yes. whether it's for... You know, dog training, nutrition, uh, life coaching, uh, you know, how to combat their parents. Uh, super, super kind of you. But, you know, um, being a man of the world, Stacy, I'm sure you, you appreciate the fact that 
you know, everybody has to have a mass hole in their life. And so I try to keep myself free and clear of, of the, you know, the Boston stronghold. And there's a few mass holes like John Walsh that <laughs> I constantly, you know, my favorite teams are whoever the Celtics, the Patriots, the Rox play. And it's been an, an agonizing period of time where there's parades and championships. And so, you know, that's why our, our relationship has, has lasted so long. But, you know, I think that's, that's starting to dissipate. So you, you have a few of those people. You, you really, you, you know, you can't save them. You, you battle with them. <laughs> and uh, they're, they're the most difficult, challenging, uh, uneducated, distorted sports oh uh, circle on the planet. As soon as I got onto the call, you Didn't guys were already Santa Claus about in Philadelphia. He's a nice guy, worked hard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Santa Claus. That's yeah. <laughs> and he did. Let's clarify. He did say mass hole. That's uh, your no. your reaching. Yeah, oh, he, no, that he loves that. That's John, his go-to. John hates that. It's that clean. used to trigger it's him. Well, I'm, first of all, I'm from Rhode Island. There I'm not is. from Massachusetts, <laughs> but, but know your know your geography for Alex. You so it's a it's a region. Mass hole is a term for a regional dysfunctional person <laughs> <laughs> give it to him troll give it to him uh stacy let, let's uh let's let's uh, I mean, yeah go ahead <laughs> let's get to stacy well, i don't want to hear about i don't want to hear about dwight evans and and carl yastrzemski and all <laughs> oh, now let's talk I ufc Tom brady one of the reasons why stacy has a question for you about ufc we were talking give about me, the gracie no, brothers, give me so. the hot sauce it's such a Give me the hot sauce is such a great show because two things happen every day, every episode, 100%. You're going to be entertained and you're going to learn something. If you listen to the show, that's what happens. There you go. There you oh, go, wow. man. That's a good you check in the off. mail. We got yeah. yeah, put that in the mail. Get a check in the mail. We don't have any money to give you. Uh, we, we got, got some hot sauce. sauce. Half we got drank some new hot sauce, John. baby. Oh. So, Troll, you're a big UFC fan, eh? Uh, I'm a big UFC fan. And, um, you know, out here in, in California, where we are, guys, um, I guess the best way to, to explain it to Chicago people is the way that you guys push muscle softeners on people, deep dish pizza and sugary popcorn and sugary meats. <laughs> we have Brazilian jiu-jitsu studios on, on every corner. And uh, in this community, the Gracies or their cousins, the Machados, have spawned an incredible saturation of, of jiu-jitsu participants, men, women, competitive athletes, and kids uh, for years and years. So uh, many people have been uh, able to, to meet, you know, the Gracies and the Machados and their cousins and, and, and relatives uh, over the years. So it's, it's got quite a following out here. And Black House MMA is right nearby. And a lot of the legendary hero guys, you know, you train there and competitive um, fighters and wrestlers. So it's it's quite it's quite present out here as well. That's awesome. You've trained a lot of professional athletes. Uh, how about uh, John Walsh in the gym? You got any stories about uh, about our guy Stinger? Does he hit the iron pretty hard? What do you think? Well, um, what am I supposed to say about that? I mean, <laughs> you know, John is certainly a hardworking guy, self motivated. Um, I, I will not get involved in, um, in, in, in any kind of debrief for the programming he does. I think that what you guys saw during quarantine when he was training in his basement with his shirt oh on, my God. He, put the, he put the heat on and, uh, you know, did a, did a jailhouse session, where, you know, a lot of body weight 
stuff, jumping around, bouncing around, <laughs> spending time in the mirror. And I think that's what I've witnessed him do the 20 years before that. So he was built for the quarantine. I almost <laughs> I built for the quarantine. Hey, I almost I almost puked in your bathroom one time. Remember that your one of your guys was trying to show me a new machine, those hydraulic presses, and I came in hot off a plane and I was doing the presses, and then I almost I think I might have puked in your in your little one stall bathroom that you call a locker room. <laughs> it's, well, it's, you know, it, it's highly possible. We have all kinds of um, pretenders come in and, you know, you see some pictures <laughs> on the wall. We've got, you know, Jack Nicholson, Alan Iverson here, Bo Jackson, you know, Pete Rose, Muhammad Ali, Bruce Lee. And then you think, well, these guys are here. So I'm just one of them. And you, you realize that you're in the deep end of the pool. And before you know it, you're throwing up on yourself in the bath. <laughs> <laughs> that does happen sometimes. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that hurt. That hurt, John. That hurt, John. There you go, John. Oh, I still love Troll. Oh, my God. I still love one. Troll. Hey, you walked into it. I mean, you know, these things happen. I met anybody, and I'll give John credit that – you can't throw up unless you work out hard enough to get to that. Well, Troll, we want to thank you so much for spending a couple of minutes with us. Obviously, joining us all the way from uh, California on our Zoom. We had a little bit of technical hits along the way, but we appreciate you hanging with us and, and giving us the message about the weekend workout warrior that is the Stinger. Thanks so much. <laughs> Keep up the great work out there, and, hey. and we appreciate you listening to Give Me the Hot Sauce. Hey, I appreciate you guys, and, and try to stay out of Stacy's way, man, because more Stacy, the better for the show. <laughs> hey, yeah, he tells us that all the time. Oh, we we got that. Way to go, Troll. I try not to say Stacey, these. I'm, I'm finally glad somebody said it. I don't like to hurt my people's feelings. Oh, I love y'all. Don't hey, let I Troll come between us. This is what Troll does. This Troll's like coming between us. Yeah. Like more of a two-minute segment, yeah. Okay. Troll Zubin joining oh us from God, California. Thank you so much on Give Me the Hot Sauce. We want to thank our special guest, Carlos Correa. He was fantastic talking about Major League Baseball and UFC. We had a ton of fun. Troll's going back to work as we wrap things up on episode 26 of Give Me the Hot the Sauce. Hey, we got a remote show coming up, don't we, John? Yes, coming we do. Up on May 12th. May 12th. Saludos. At Saludos what? Restaurant in, in, in Gurney. So, Come on out and join get us some and say hello. Hot sauce. Yeah, get some hot sauce. It's going to be a lot of fun. Stacy, time to head out, get some lunch. <laughs> Drive home safely, Chicago. <laughs> Give me the hot sauce. Saucy.